This is the message from Connection Community Church for January 12th, 2020. 2020, short-sighted, given by Disciple member Mike Osman. Good morning, Connection Community Church. How are you today? You okay? I'm okay. That makes us okay, right? Thank God for that. Well, welcome to 2020. I know they greeted you last week. I wasn't here last week. I was somewhere else. But uh, I've been asked to fill in for the pastors today, so I'll be bringing the message. And our message series in January is called 2020. It is the year 2020. That's pretty impressive. It's not only the beginning of a new year, but of a new decade. And through history, decades seem to define themselves by significant events not only in the world, but in the church. And as I've been praying and going to some other churches and doing some things, I'm getting a sense that God has um, divine blessings for this entire coming decade for the world that he's going to bring through us, the church. God wants to use you to bless them And he will open doors for that avenue. Amen? Amen. So our series is 2020. Last week our pastors uh, talked about hindsight. This week the title of the series is 2020 Short-Sighted. Short-Sighted. And we're going to take a look at what that is. Um, But before we look into that, I want to share a little uh, story, a little testimony Uh, It's been really nice yesterday and today as that door is closing now. I still see the sun coming in. I was just outside. It's, It's beautiful. So I know we're in the middle of January, but how about we talk about the summer? Amen? How about the summer of 68? And there it is, the summer of 68. So for those of you who don't know me from back then, now you're starting to add up 68. You know, when I talk about decades, I mean decades. Um, So uh, here, my mom and her four wonderful children in front of that nice Bonneville. uh, That's me standing in the middle with my arms crossed, rocking those tall, black, knee-high socks. Isn't that a look, right? And um, those of you who know me, when I I work outside of here at another at another place, and I wear those same black knee-high socks, but now they're called compression socks. <laughs> and that's really cool, man, because I can rock those socks. And um, so mom and dad are up there on the left. Now, that obviously isn't the summer of 68, probably Christmas of that year, maybe even the year after. And down here on the right is the local swim club, Shellcrest Swim Club. We grew up in North Wilmington. Um, so we moved to North Wilmington when I was eight years old. All right, quick, math students. How old am I this year? 60, yes. So we moved and we uh, joined the swim club, Shellcrest Swim Club. My brother Steve, my sister Janet, Uh, are there with a neighbor friend, Sue, from across the street. And uh, you can see in that uh, pool picture, there's the length of the pool, and then there's the width of the pool, and back, jetting off of the back of it, are a couple diving boards and the deep end. When we moved to uh, this new home when I was eight years old, 
uh, the first thing we did was uh, we joined the swim club. And when we went in as kids, I walked in, and boy, oh boy, the first thing I wanted to do was go into the deep end. I wanted to jump on that board, and I wanted to do some amazing things in the deep end of the pool. But I found out quickly that I wasn't allowed. I couldn't because there were some requirements to being able to do that. And so what happened was uh, we all got signed up for swim lessons. And uh, in the swim lessons, they take place early in the morning before the pool opens to the public. And so uh, here I am as an eight-year-old boy, and um, it's summer. I don't have to be in class or in school, and I have to get woken up early and get out of my comfortable and warm bed in the summer. Oh, this is almost as bad as the reading assignments we got back then. And so we'd get up, and the pool wasn't that far. We'd walk through the neighborhood, through the local park, and out on the other side of the park was the swim club. So we'd walk down early in the morning, and an amazing thing about early June mornings, right after Memorial Day weekend, the evenings tend to still be a little chilly, and sometimes the mornings can be chilly. And uh, that water was every bit chilly. And so here we were, jumping into cold water, getting out of a comfortable bed, when all the other kids who weren't in swim lessons got to sleep in. And then in swim lessons, I had to be able to do a couple things before I could get into the deep end. So they put us in the shallow end of the pool. And I have to learn how to, how to swim across the width of the pool. And the width of the pool is, is only so wide, but as a little guy who doesn't know how to swim, that's pretty impressive. And it's pretty daunting at first. And so they teach you how to breathe. And while standing up in the shallow end, they put, have you put your face in the water and then turn your head and take a breath and back in and turn your head, take a breath. And then they start teaching you strokes and how to stroke. And, and that you put those two things together and you begin to learn how to swim. And so I learned to swim. I learned to take breaths. But I had to also be able to hold my breath. And it was uh, for like 10 seconds. So we would have to go under the water and hold our breath and then come up and come out. And when I came out, you'd <sighs> take that deep breath of life. So I had learned in swim lessons how to do these things. So now I'm ready. Let's go to the deep end of the pool. And I get out there and, and I come up the board. My dad goes with me because... The first couple times, you're still not allowed to go by yourself. So dad goes before me, and he goes out, and he dives into the deep end, and he comes up, and he turns around, and he's, and he's there just a few feet from me, and he says, okay, Mike, jump. And I come out. I'm at the end of the, the, the board, and all of a sudden, this thing I wanted so bad to do. I was like, wow. I hesitated because of fear. And I was on the end, and I'm standing there, and this fear came, and I started to wonder if I could do this. 
And, and, and so I look back. Like, can I go back off and down the steps? But there were already two or three kids behind me lined up. And the embarrassment of the failure of an eight-year-old boy to walk back off the board and down the steps could have ruined my whole summer as an eight-year-old boy. But the embarrassment and the fear of jumping into the deep end could have ruined my whole life. I was at that place. And then while I was there, my father kept saying, jump, Mike, I'm right here. And so I began to realize and remember in the shallow end, I learned to swim. In the shallow end, I learned to hold my breath. In the shallow end, I learned to come up when I was under. And so I jumped into the deep end. And so began my days in the deep end of the pool. As I grew, I learned more and more about swimming. I got my certification. I became a lifeguard. It's great to be able to know how to swim. I, I, it can maybe save my life, maybe save someone else's. But it's a great joy to swim. And so that was the summer of 68. So today we're talking about short-sighted. What is short-sighted? There is a, a dictionary, two dictionary definitions of short-sighted. The first one is this. Unable to see things clearly unless they're close to the eyes. This is also called nearsighted. And some of us may be nearsighted, right? Anybody nearsighted in here? So that is a technical medical terminology for being short-sighted. But the second definition is the definition that applies to what we're discussing today. And that definition is this, lacking imagination or foresight, the inability to perceive or see something in our minds or see something down the road, something in the future, further ahead, lacking foresight. So in Proverbs 29, 18, the scriptures will be on the screen today, but if you have your Bibles or, or maybe you've got your Bible apps with you, you can follow along. I read from the New King James Version, but this first verse that I'm going to read is going to be from the King James Version because this is something, maybe you've heard this verse before. It's very common in the church. And it says this, Proverbs 29, 18, King James Version, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law, happy is he. And so there's a, a significant word in this verse that really begins to open up and clarify this verse for us. This word vision from the original text, um, was, it was translated in King James as the word vision. But in original text, Hebrew or Chaldean, Greek or Aramaic, where whatever the text was, sometimes the words that translate don't really give us the true meaning. 
but it's what we use in English to best associate it with our language. But the word itself, vision, is the Hebrew word called zone, and it means revelation. It means revelation an imagination, an ability to see something that's not right before us. It means revelation, the Hebrew word kozon. So in Proverbs 29, 18, and I, again, I'm reading from the New King James Version. This version and many of the other newer translations of the Bible have used this word in its rendering of the original text. And it says this. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Where there is no revelation of God, the people will cast off restraint. And this really is clearly defining the world for us today. This next uh, verse I'm going to read is not on the screen. I added two verses uh, late last night, and I just wanted to give um, a, a definition or a, just what it means for a world, a secular society that casts off restraint, what that looks like. And, and in the scriptures, it speaks about that. See, there, in our country, in our nation, and around the world, there are whole societies which have cast off restraint. The revelation of God, they don't have in their society. They are secular societies. And in America, there used to be a time where the revelation of God was in the marketplace. It was in the communities. It was in our schools. But through significant events in the history of our nation and through the world, many societies, including ours, have tried to cast off the restraint, not having the revelation of God. And in Romans chapter 1, verses 28 through 32, here's what that society and those people can look like. It says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do things which were not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters. Haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Casting off restraint. This is what a society or an individual who does not have the revelation of Jesus Christ or of God in their life, it's what happens to them ultimately. And as in the King James Version where it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. 
the world without Christ, us without Christ, are perishing people. They need Christ. And as I shared in the opening, I believe that this decade is going to be a decade of divine blessings where God will use us to bring the revelation of Christ to the world. And so what about us, church? Are we short-sighted, lacking imagination or foresight, lacking the revelation of God. In Colossians chapter 1, there are some things that we all share in common. And that is that we all come into the kingdom of God by the same way. Not by the same experience, but by the same way. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it is through Christ and Christ alone that we come in to the kingdom of God, that we come into the shallow waters of the kingdom. Colossians 1:13 and 14 says this: "He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption, church, through His blood, the forgiveness of sins." Hear the good news of Jesus Christ, of the revelation of God. This brings us out of a kingdom of darkness, out of a secular world, out of a secular life, out of a perishing place into a place of life. This is the work of God, and it is the shallow end of the pool. We all start in the shallows of God. You know, I got saved, and for me it was a radical save. I was not your good church-going choir boy. I might be on the other end of that spectrum entirely. But the thing that is the same, no matter how we were brought up, when we enter the kingdom of God, we are all in that same place, the shallows of God. See, at that point... We have eternal redemption, but we are still short-sighted in terms of the big picture, of what God has for us. But God has a purpose in this. And so it is in the shallows of God we become confident that his will for our lives is good and that it will be accomplished. And so this is so important. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says this. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And here is something I want to emphasize. A good work in you. God has begun for every person who has given their life to Christ a good work in them. God is good, but sometimes because of the lie of our enemy, the devil, he wants to rob, steal, and kill your lives. He wants you to be perishing through the casting off of restraint, stealing your revelation of God. 
We all come in in that way. But God is good. And here's one of the things that I want to clear up in the church. In Romans 8.28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good. Let me just stop there. That's the first half of that verse. Is that really true? If that's all that verse said, then I might say that is a lie. What's written in here is a lie. Think about it. Do all things work together for good? But that is not all that it says. In Romans 8.28, this is what it says. There are two requirements that follow that statement in this verse that makes this verse truth. For us to experience this verse, we must experience these two requirements. All, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God. We must have the revelation of God, the foresight of God. We must be saved, born again. To those who are called according to his purpose. And this is something I've struggled with, and I suspect every one of us in some way has struggled with this. I came into the kingdom of God as a young man, but while in the kingdom of God, I just wanted him to start blessing my life. Give me what I want. I was in the shallows of God with others just like me, and when I was Being taught a lesson in the shallows of God, I want to say, no, God, I don't want to turn my head like that. I don't want to stroke. I don't want to do that. I don't want to learn that. And the thing is, the shallows of God is where we all begin. But it's supposed to be a temporary place to lead us into the deep things of God. And if you're like me, maybe you've spent more time in the shallows than God has intended. So the other part is yielding our will to his will. And so this is something that I want to make clear to you. Not everything that happens in our life, that goes on in life, is somehow the will of God for you. Because you have an enemy. And beyond our enemy, the devil, who is trying to wreck our lives, we have our own flesh. Some days, we don't even need the enemy to destroy our lives. We do it very well on our own. When we're not yielding to his purposes, but asking him to yield to ours. But we are able to keep the faith when we focus on the righteousness with the revelation of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, This Bible has been around a little bit. So have I. (laughs) It's not quite as old as me, but guys, don't we love duct tape? (laughs) 
This is my favorite Bible in a long time. It's not ready to give up the ghost just yet. So when I run out of duct tape, I think I'll go buy some more. We are able to keep the faith when we focus on the revelation of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. The decades have passed. 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. In the 80s, I, I lost my sight and I lost my hair. I'm still looking for them. Anybody know where they are? The 2000s, the teens, here we are in a new decade. My outward man is perishing. But being someone who used to cast off restraint without the revelation of Christ, my outward man was perishing through addiction, through immoral living. I was, as it said in Proverbs 29, 18, a people or a person who was perishing without the revelation of God. And it continues on. It says, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. This is who you are. This is the eternal you. Our temporary mortal being is just that. It does not live forever. That's not who I am. The, the tall, bald guy who spoke to church, what's his name, Mike? Yeah, that's how you identify me, but that's not who I am. I am the spirit man of God, the one who has been born again, saved, delivered, transferred into the kingdom of light. This is the revelation of God in my life. And in yours, if you've given your heart to Christ, your inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Imagine calling those significant failures and struggles in your life light affliction. We've been through medical challenges that almost caused death. We've been through financial challenges. We didn't know if we were going to make it. We've been through relational challenges, raising families and with others. We've been through work challenges, things all that seem to perish throughout our lives. And we didn't know. In those moments, we weren't sure. We couldn't see clearly. We were underneath them all. Without the revelation of God. See, God works in our lives to bring about His good will for us. And we are all called, we are all called to the deep things of God. In Psalm 42, here's something about the call to the deep things of God. 
we may think that the pastors and the people on staff and the missionaries and Christian artists and people like that are the ones called to the deep things of God. But that is just not so. We are all called to the deep things of God. He brings us all through the shallows. And he trains us and equips us in those places to learn to trust. I learned to trust that even under the water, I could come up and breathe in life. You are called to the deep things of God. Psalm 42.7. David is a guy, he didn't write all the Psalms, but when I read the Psalms, he wrote many of them, and I relate to David more than any other character in the Scriptures. And why that is, is because like David, called to the deep things of God, I have made significant mistakes and had significant failures after I had the revelation of Christ. But like David, whose heart was repentant and turned back to the Lord and desired God in his life more than his own will and realized he was perishing in so many ways, he had a repentant heart, turned to the Lord, and God was there. God didn't leave him. God was there. Jump, David. I'm here. Jump. And David trusted again in his Lord and jumped from that place of fear. And like in David's life, God forgave him of his sin. But not all sin goes away without consequences. We can still live with consequences of our sinful choices while being in the arms and the deep things of God. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And if you know the story of David, wow. So Psalm 42, 7 and 8. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. See, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. When things are good, we know the loving kindness of God. He expresses it, shows it to us. He blesses us with it. We experience the loving kindness of God when things are good, don't we? But there is a night. There is a darkness. And in the night... His song shall be with me. There are times when it's been so dark and I'm overcome. I'm underneath 
these momentary light afflictions. I couldn't even pray. I didn't know what to pray. We were devastated. I was devastated. But there was a song in my heart. And it was of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so when I couldn't pray, I praised God. I praised God. And the scripture says that he has given us a garment of praise to overcome a spirit of heaviness. And so in the night, not only did I praise, but as I praised, I began to find strength. And then a prayer to the God of my life rose up in me. And I was able to pray. I was able to receive from God the things I needed to exist in the deep of God. To come up and take that deep breath. Church, God is calling you to the deep today. Maybe you're not even in the water yet. Maybe you have been in church for a while. Maybe brought up in church. But haven't yet trusted your father saying, jump, my daughter. Jump, my son. I'm here. Or maybe you've been in the shallows. Now God has trained you. Taught you you can trust him. And he's saying, on to the deep things. Or maybe you're at the edge of the board. And you've been trained by God. You know his loving kindness. You have the revelation of Christ in your life. And yet you're short-sighted, not assured what was down the road. Can't imagine how this is going to work out. But when your father calls you to jump, you decide to trust. And you're in the deep. And he's in there with you. And he's not going to let you drown. But he's going to bring you up out of the deep. And then with that, you're going to go and find others who haven't come into the pool yet or who are in the shallows. Or you're going to go side by side with your brother who's in the deep with you. And you're going to bring the revelation of God to a perishing society. Church, stand with me as we pray. So wherever you are, whatever your place in the pool of God, the Lord wants to take you deeper. Put your hands out as, a, as an offering to God. Put your hands out asking God as I pray for you. Lord God, we thank you that you call to us to jump, to trust where we are, you know where you are. You know in your mind right now, your heart may be racing, your mind is racing. You know where you have the fear to jump and to trust God. For some of you, you're mistaking your trust in a spouse or a child or a job or finances or a doctor. And God is saying, no, turn your eyes 
to me. Trust me. Jump now. So, Lord, I pray for all here today that they would have that trust and faith. We thank you that you call us to the deep. And as we go from here today, may your spirit rise up and your praise rise up in each one of us that we may go out to this world and declare the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.